Welcome, friends. It's great to have you with us for the Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSelm. I'm Gwen DeSelm, and I have the joy of being your host for this weekly podcast that brings biblical teaching to everyday people in ways we can understand and then put into practice. Our teacher is Dave DeSelm. Dave spent over 40 years in pastoral ministry, planting, growing, and leading a church called Fellowship in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Currently, he is the executive director of Dave DeSelm Ministries, offering resources for everyday pastors and the people they lead, such as a blog, devotionals, coaching, speaking, and more. You can find out more about us at davedeselmministries.org. Today, we continue our series called Unique, about how not only are you a unique person, but you are also made for a unique purpose. So far, we've explored how understanding your passions and unwrapping your spiritual gifts can help you identify that purpose. In this episode, we're going to look at how your life's story shapes your calling. Not only is God the creator of your life, He is the author as well. And the story that He is writing has been preparing you for His unique purpose. Here's Dave with Leveraging Your Story. We begin our talk this morning by asking a question. How many of you have in your apartment or your house a junk drawer? Oh, yeah. Aren't those the craziest things in the world? If you can't find it, it's got to be in the junk drawer. Paper clips, loose change, it'll be in the junk drawer. It'll be the ba- extra batteries. What we have in ours, we must have a half a dozen keys that I have no idea what they open up anymore. You know what I'm talking about? It's probably a car I used to drive, a house I used to live in, a padlock I used to use, but you don't dare throw them away, do you? Because you never know. And so we've got these crazy set of keys. What would it be like if I told you in the midst of all the other mystery keys you have, there is one that could unlock your purpose? That there was a key that uniquely could give you a sense of your calling. The fact of the matter is, you have that key. What we've already discovered in this teaching series, we said that every one of us, and I know this is simplistic, but for purposes of our argument, each one of you, first of all, is a function of his or her passions. You have these God-given passions. You just That which you just love, or that which you just can't stand, there's this passion that brews within you. We also talked last week that you have, every one of you who knows Christ, has a series of spiritual gifts, your primary gift, your secondary gift. You're a gifted child. We've talked about how where these come together can really give you a sense of kingdom impact. But the third aspect is one that typically we never spend much time talking about. And yet, I believe it is really the key of unlocking the whole thing. And that is your story. Your story. And when indeed your passions and your gifts Come alongside of your story. What made you you? What marked you? The good and the bad as you grew up, even as you're living now, you find that the three of them come together at a point of intersection. Your purpose, your calling, your sweet spot, that which is just so powerfully you. And when you find that and then minister in light of it, you find yourself with the same kind of smile on your face. In the story of Genesis 37 and following, we have an individual whose story was quite remarkable. I'm not going to read you his story in detail, but I'd highly recommend, if you're looking for something to study in your Bible about story, 
read the story of Joseph. Now, if you're new to your Bibles, this is not the husband of Mary. This is the son of Jacob. And Joseph's story, which begins in the 37th chapter and moves all the way through the end, is an amazing one. We'll see in Joseph this uh, confluence of passions, gifts, and story as he fulfilled his redemptive purposes. In the 37th chapter, just look at the the paragraph headings if we get an international version. It begins with his dreams. Joseph, he, he had this passion for being in charge and for leading, but he was also gifted with the capacity to dream. He was already... God was preparing to use him, but the problem with Joseph was in his immaturity, he didn't use it very well. Indeed, his brothers got so jealous of him, in order to get rid of him, they sold him into slavery. Some Midianite traders were passing through. If you can believe it, they sold their brother into slavery. Down Joseph went to Egypt, and for the next decades of his life, he was a slave. He made his way through the ranks, and after a brief break in Genesis 38, now go to 39, Joseph's story continues on. In the 39th chapter, it says, Joseph and Potiphar's wife, do you see that? He moves to becoming the head steward in his master Potiphar's house. Things are going along really well for being a slave, I guess, until Mrs. Potiphar takes a shine to Joseph, and she tries to seduce him. Joseph, in an amazing picture of a young man standing strong, says no. But how's the old adage go there? Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. And oh my, in her humiliation and anger, she accuses him of rape. Who's going to believe the slave? And now we move along through the 39th chapter into the 40th. And Joseph is now thrown into a dungeon. Things are looking pretty bad for our hero. His story has taken a negative turn, a deadly turn indeed. But in the middle of the 39th chapter, there is a line, and for some of you, this is the one reason why you're here today. The line I'm going to show you right now in Genesis 39. Take a look at Genesis 39, verses 20 and 21. Joseph's master, this would be Potiphar, took him and put him in prison the place where the king's prisons were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, underline the next five words. The Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. I say that because I know that for some of you this season, you're having a hard time being thankful. There was a physical condition that was just discovered, a heart attack, cancer, and you don't get it. You've got a child far from home and far from God. Your marriage has gone away. You've been betrayed by the closest people to you. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's your finances. I've talked with enough. You know, this is very, very difficult, but I want you to mark those five words. Indeed, in your prison, God's with you too. He is not done with you. And get this, your current circumstances will not have the last word. You turn to the person next to you because she looks pretty skeptical right about now. So does he and so does he. So tell the person next to you, your current circumstances won't have the last word. You tell them. Your current circumstances won't have the last word. 
And indeed, this is what happens. Joseph, you got to read it in chapter 40 and 41. It's a remarkable thing. Joseph begins to move out of the circumstance and eventually, get this, Pharaoh asks about his dreams being interpreted. Joseph, of course, he's gifted. He has the capacity to do that, interprets Pharaoh's dreams, and against all odds, he now moves to the second in command in all Egypt. It's an amazing story. Joseph is now second in command in all Egypt. It's a picture of God moving despite circumstances. But a famine now is coming. Joseph, using some of his passion for leadership and his gifts, he stockpiled goods. Egypt is sitting pretty. The famine hits the eastern of the Mediterranean. Egypt has enough for herself and also to sell. Fills their coffers. In the midst of all of this, God has this wonderful wink, I think, in chapter 42. Because guess whose family is hungry? You got it. Chapter 42, verse 1. When Jacob, that's Joseph's father, learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, why do you keep looking at each other? I've heard there is grain in Egypt. Go down and buy some for us that we may live and not die. This gets great. Of course, they think Joseph's long dead. They don't recognize him. He's now dressed as an Egyptian. He's so powerful. And in a beautiful story, God sovereignly works through Joseph to bring his brothers to a point of repentance. It's an amazing story. In the end, not only is his family fed, he brings the whole clan down to Egypt to take care of through the rest of the famine. And then in the 50th chapter of Genesis comes what I believe is one of the most important verses in the whole Old Testament. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. Again, you just need to read it in detail because it's such a wonderful story. In Genesis 50, verse 20, we read these words. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. To accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Other translations render it this way. What was intended for evil... God was using for good. What appeared to be nothing but a bad story, God was saying in effect, the story's not done yet. And out of it came a beautiful story. But mark it well, Joseph never would have stood in the palace if he had not knelt in the pit. Joseph never would have been at the end of the story had he not been submissive to God in the middle of the story. His picture is one of an individual who does not let the individual chapters of his life destroy him, but recognizing that a divine author sees the whole book as a whole and has more options than you might think. I think Joseph's story is epitomized by a singular New Testament verse that many of you are familiar with. On the side screens, let's lift our eyes and voices and read these words together. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I like the way the New American Standard Bible renders this even better. Take a look at that. Let's read this together. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those called according to his purpose. Now, while that's still on the screen, mark a couple words. Notice the first word, second line. God causes all things. You see that? I love that word. God is saying this in effect. I will use that which you've experienced 
for your good. I have allowed certain things to come into your life and say, well, Lord, I don't get that. I don't either, friend, but God is sovereign over all events. God causes even the ugly to be used to good. But notice the screen again. Put it back up there, would you please, folks? First word, third line. All things to work, what's it say? Together. If you look at a singular experience in your life and you basically think that's your story, you'll always fail. You can't look at that page. You can't look at that chapter. All things work what? Together. Some of you are going to be making pies this week. How many of you are good pie makers? I am not. All right. I know this much. I'm a good pie eater. And I love homemade pumpkin pie, uh, homemade sugar cream pie. Gwen's got another special one coming. But I also know this. You cannot take the individual ingredients of a pie, take an egg here, some flour there, some nutmeg here, and go, that is terrible. All things have to work what? And when they come together, are put in the heat and under pressure, you get something pretty special, don't you? Mark it well. All things work, but not for everyone, it says. For those who what? Love God. And are called according to his purposes. Many people claim Romans 8.28, and they have no right to claim it. Because God, yet I understand, he is sovereign over all things. But when it comes to the beautiful writing of his children's story, he makes all things work together for good to them who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. Do you see? And so for you, if you're a child of God, your life is not an accident and neither is your story. He's using every bit of it in a wonderful way. You're listening to The Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSelm. Dave will continue his message in just a moment. If you're enjoying this podcast, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Then help others find us by sharing this podcast with your friends and family. You can also support us in this ministry. Just go to davedeselmministries.org and click on the Donate button. Dave DeSell Ministries offers resources for everyday pastors so they can equip the everyday people they lead to become everyday disciples. And one of the ways that we do that is through the Everyday Pastor blog. In each post, Dave offers practical insight and personal experience born of over 40 years of pastoral leadership. This blog covers topics that everyday pastors and leaders need to strengthen their skills, sharpen their vision, and care for their souls. You can find the Everyday Pastor blog on our website, davedesomeministries.org. Well, let's return now to today's teaching, and be sure to stay with us at the close for a special word from Dave and information on a resource you can use to study and understand your story. Now, having said all that, it's very important for you to understand that until you know your story, you can't see how it fits here. As you look at your life story, your life is not a singular flat line. I'm hoping that someday in there you came to know Christ, and if you haven't yet, you need to. It'll change your story forever. But your story's not like that. Your story's like mine. There are ups, and there are downs, and there are spikes, and there are dips, and somewhere along the line, for me at 20 years old, I met Christ, and even since then, there have been ups and downs, right? Right? 
One of the greatest things that you can do to deepen the community of your small group is to share your stories. Because until and unless you do, you don't even understand each other. You can't call forth each other's glory because you don't know their story. And so many of you, it's been thrilling for me to hear about small groups where you've taken the time to listen to each other. You talk about the various things in your life, good and bad, that marked you and made you. When you do that, it not only helps your small group, but it helps you, because here's why. As you begin to look at your story, you can ask three questions. Here's the first one. What positive experiences have I had that God might want to use? When you begin to look at your story, you think, all right, and take some time. Do it yourself. Then let a friend, a mate, a small group person come alongside. What are some of the positive things in your story? That God, before or after you came to Christ, what can he use? I look back at my story, and it's some neat stuff. And this isn't everything, but I remember um, when I was in sixth grade, I had the greatest school teacher of my life. And Miss Blesh changed my life. She not only was the first teacher to believe in me, but I saw how I learned and my love for teaching began through a sixth grade teacher. I was in Boy Scouts. And I moved through Boy Scouts and learned to tie knots and build camps and pitch tents. Never did get the cooking thing down, but got the rest of it. But in Boy Scouts, I was made a patrol leader, then a senior patrol leader, then an Eagle Scout leader. And I realized I learned to lead in Boy Scouts. And as I think through way back when, sixth grade, Boy Scouts, I went to Ball State, my undergraduate work, freshman comp, the typical flunk out course. And I wrote my first essay. And somehow, some way, they submitted to the highest levels of the department. And the professor said, you have a gift for putting words together. Don't neglect it. I wasn't even a Christian then, but I've never forgot They said you had a capacity. So as I look at all that, I think, huh, teacher, leader, an ability to put thoughts together. Do you see any kind of themes running through this thing? But it's not enough to look at that question. Here's a second one. What painful experiences have I had that God may want to use? I know that many of us like to do the former, but not this one here. What are some of the dips in your life? Some of you would say, my parents got divorced when I was very young. Others would say, I grew up in the midst of terrible poverty, deep racism. Others would say, I was addicted here. I went to jail there. Maybe you went through a divorce. They are moments in your life, the Joseph moments of your life. They're not as fun to mark, but God will use those as well. I look at some of mine. Um, In my childhood, I never fit in. I was never part of the group. I was always in the fringe. I never found a community of acceptance in my life outside my family. And my dream was that one day I could be part of a community that actually accepted people. Think that negative thing marked me? You bet it did. I grew up, I never thought I was good enough. I never thought anybody could ever love me unless I performed well. 
And then I learned about the grace of Christ. I decided I was going to give the rest of my life to telling people. I didn't become a Christian until I was 20. I'd never heard about it. And I thought, I do not want people to go through what I went through, where they don't know that they can be accepted by grace. See how it marks us? And then we come to the third question. So what do you think then those experiences have done within you that might point toward your calling? Now, one thing I need to make clear. For me, I began as a school teacher in light of this, and eventually I moved to become a pastor. You say, so do you mean that if you really find your calling, you have to change your career? No. In fact, most of you won't. But God can use your passions and your gifts and your story in the career you're in right now. In fact, maybe that's exactly why you're in that career. Because you're supposed to bring that sweet spot to, to bear upon that office, that shop, that line, that neighborhood, that school, that hospital. You mark it well. I look around this room, and I'm amazed at the capacity. I see some of you beginning to get this, and I just want to cheer. It's an amazing thing. And when we see God work like that, we see the words of a guy named Dan Allender. He said this, If you want to know the will of God for your life, look behind you. Your future is meant to be written in light of the patterns of your past. A sovereign God has superintended your life. I can't explain to you all the bad. I can't explain to you all the good. I can say he is God. And as surely as he moved through Joseph's life, for decades Joseph must have thought, my life makes no sense. I have been betrayed by my family. My reputation has been tanked because of lies. I'm a slave. I have nothing. But God was with Joseph in that prison, and he never gave up on the idea that maybe the writer of the story had a few more pages to pen. Pastor Dave here. Hopefully you found the information that I just shared with you helpful, interesting. However, if you're serious, really serious, about discovering and entering into your unique calling, it's going to take a bit of effort that goes beyond that. I would really encourage you to do two things. First of all, spend some time thinking about your story and then write down the defining events, both positive and painful, in your past. Think also about the messages these experiences communicate to you. See if there are any themes that emerge. To help you with that, we've created a worksheet you can download from this episode's show notes. And then secondly, share your story with a trusted friend, perhaps your spouse or, or a community group. Invite them into sharing their observations about where and how God may use your past experiences for His glory. Then invite them to pray for you. Finally, just a word about the ordinary. You may think, I'm just an ordinary person. There's nothing extraordinary about my story. And yet the Bible tells us how Jesus used an ordinary little boy's lunch, five loaves and two fish, to feed thousands of people. Which is to say, when Jesus is in your story. The potential is limitless.
Thank you so much for joining us for The Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSome. Remember that you can download the My Story Worksheet in this episode's show notes. It's available at davedeselmministries.org slash podcast slash 111. And if this message has blessed you, let Dave know by sending him an email at dave at davedeselmministries.org. Then join us next time as we look to God's Word for help and hope as we follow Jesus every day.